0: You're listening to the Winter Hughes Podcast with Joe and Eric Hughes. And
1: now, here's the Hughes Brothers. Welcome into a new Winter Hughes Podcast, and a lot to get into with the A's this week, Rick. And we're going to be focusing a lot more on stuff happening off the field rather than stuff happening on the field. This week, we got to hear, in quotes, from A's owner John Fisher, who did a couple of interviews after he was. Silent for years, pretty much since he's owned the team. He has not talked to the media. He has denied requests from multiple media members to make himself available to discuss not just relocation, but over the years, some of the plans and stated goals for the A's franchise, which has been, you know, notoriously frugal. When it comes to how they spend their money and what their plans are for the team, he's let a lot of other people do the speaking for him, whether it was Lou Wolf or Dave Cavill, Billy Bean. He has not done any talking. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, he's done a series of interviews. So we want to talk a little bit about what he has said, what it means, and why he's talking now. Why the timing is important. And we've also got some comments from Oakland Mayor Shang Tao not just in response to John Fisher's interview, but also some demands that she's making if the A's are going to stay in Oakland longer than their lease at the Coliseum in 2024 and some possible options for the A's if their lease is not extended, where they could play between the end of their time in Oakland after the 2024 season and by the time a new ballpark would be ready in Las Vegas. But Just first impressions that John Fisher has come out and is doing media interviews, selected media interviews. He's not just talking to everybody, didn't hold a press conference, kind of picked some targets. But if you're a fan and this owner has been making these efforts for relocation, about taking this team away, there's been the summer of sell movement that's been going on, we've seen that. But just your instant reaction that the owner has decided to suddenly open his mouth and, you know, address some of these things that he's allowed to linger for so long.
0: I think it's usually a good situation when you don't know much about the owner, right? You're a fan of the team. You're trying to go out and um, watch your team. and I never knew Fisher did or didn't do interviews for the longest time, you know, and uh, I kind of liked that. It's not until all this other news is going on that you hear, oh, this guy doesn't do interviews. Then you start, oh, well, why? And, you know, it it was something I had never noticed before. And I kind of like that, that maybe ignorance is bliss kind of thing. I guess it's interesting. Obviously, the Raj Mathai one, you know, with the the rules that were in place for the interview was that no audio was going to be recorded. Even that seems a little strange. And I think you do bring up a good question. If this has been your MO for so long, I don't do this. I'm not here to be the public face. I uh, I think he said something along the lines of he does think it's it being an owner is like being a politician where you need to go out and speak publicly and do those things. So why would you make that change now? Right? I think some of the answers, it it just like blew me away. And it just kind of in some ways is like, this person can't actually believe that those two things are connected to, to see, make a claim that you, you see all this passion for A's fans with this movement of what they're doing. And so you think like delivering a winning team in another city is going to like, there's some sort of connection to that. It was kind of bewildering. But what, what are your thoughts and what are your takeaways from that? I guess it's just left me even more confused.
1: It was cherry picked. To be a PR interview. This was not an interview to really explain yourself as much as it was to just kind of get some answers out there. And I really think the reason that he's talking now, there are owners within Major League Baseball that are holding his feet to the fire a little bit, partially because of the summer of sell. This is drawing a lot of negative attention. It's getting negative national articles. And I think there's frustration from owners about the sweetheart deal that the A's are getting, where they're not going to pay a relocation fee, that they are still going to be on revenue sharing, and that I think a lot of owners are feeling really annoyed that not only are they going to have to keep funding this team for John Fisher, essentially, that he is not willing to invest his own money in the product on the field, and that he has admitted it now that they have been funding this for years with basically the revenue sharing, which is why getting a binding deal done in Vegas was so important to them. That was what John Fisher said was the driving factor in why they made that shift, is that they needed this deal done by the Artificial deadline that Major League Baseball has imposed of January fifteenth of next year. That's pretty interesting, and I've just got a lot of thoughts about it. It it is just
0: kind of mind blowing, and and the things that he has said in the interview and things of like, I love baseball. That's why I'm doing this. You know, in some ways it comes to that. Like, well, if you love it, let it go. You know, (laughs) and like sell that team. Um, It has been really interesting to see that this grassroots movement has been able to change some of these national narratives where for so long it has been low-hanging fruit where they just look at pictures and go, there's no fans, there's no fans, um, look at the pictures, look at the um, what they announce the attendance as, you know? And, and that is the low-hanging fruit that's easy to look at and then make that statement without getting into the analysis or diving in and going, well, why aren't fans showing up? So, this cell movement has not only changed that but it's even going to other franchises and other fan bases and So, even this series that the as just had in Chicago, the Chicago organized cell thing, and they had white shirts with black cell. I saw some of the oakland sixty eights out there supporting that wearing the green cell shirts. What I'm a little troubled about is I know for the next step, and and, and forgive me and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems that they have submitted their like bid to move, and now that goes to a group of three people, one of those people being the brewers owner who is also trying to move, right? So and he also knows his isn't going to get dealt with until this is dealt with, not knowing that guy at all. It kind of makes me feel like he's
1: going to go, yeah, whatever you want. Let's deal with this so we can get to meet. It's a three-person committee that will make a recommendation to the other owners. And you're right. The Brewer's owner is one of the owners. The Royals owner is one of the owners involved in this. And I believe it's the Phillies owner. Those are the three owners... That are going to be making a recommendation a, for the a other owners.
0: Bit. Isn't that a little ironic that there are these connections, right, with Philadelphia, with Kansas City? And then, you know, you've got the Brewers trying to move as
1: well and then being kind of like next on the docket. It's a fair point. It's been a criticism right away because it's part of the reason, you know, this is not like Major League Baseball just picked three owners out of a hat and said, hey, this is your committee. It's strategic. You know It's done with a reason because you're right, the next team that is going to be going through this other than the A's in Tampa is Milwaukee. Kansas City is another team that's going through this where they're looking at building a new ballpark either downtown, they haven't picked a location yet, but there's a reason that they're doing this. Part of it is so that those owners can learn from what the A's are going through and what Tampa Bay is going to go through so that they can apply those lessons to their own individual stadium issues. It started with the A's in Tampa, right? We need to get that settled, and then we can deal with relocation. But now, you've got the Brewers, you've got the Diamondbacks, you've got the White Sox coming out as the latest team to say that, you know, they may have to consider relocation if they can't get a new stadium built and a new deal done. It has become this new weapon of Major League Baseball to threaten relocation if cities and states and local governments are not willing to play ball so to speak, with what their demands are for public money.
0: That's what I think is a little bit troubling is to hear that the national headlines are changing. That's great. But now to see that other owners are going, oh, this is a card we pull out of the deck. And it's almost like when the Niners and Harbaugh mutually parted ways, because before that, exactly, it was like, was he fired or did he quit? And then they're that was the first time I remember uh, an organization and, and a coach going, no, we we mutually agreed this was b- the best way. And then it just started happening all over the place. People started mutually agreeing, right? And so with the A's threatening relocation and feeling a little bit like, hey, these other owners are like, dude, you're not going to ride on my coattails anymore. You start getting on that hopium again. But then to see the other owners are going, oh, that's actually a pretty nice move. Where's that card in the deck? All right, I'm going to grab that one too. And so knowing that it's the owners that are going to be the ones to decide, knowing that, yes, the national headlines are changing, but it appears the owners are changing too. And they're going, oh, this is now a move that we'll all use. I don't know how you're going to then go, no, you can't do that move, but I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah, I think part of the issue comes down to Major League Baseball not wanting the public to see how the sausage is made and that they feel that the A's process is drawing a lot of attention to how the sausage gets made, which nobody wants to know. I mean, the Brewer situation, getting into sausage, is an interesting one. I think it's the model that should concern local governments. The Brewers have a ballpark that is about 20 years old, I believe. And it's just coming up on the point where the Brewers would have to start paying the taxes back from the bond that they were given to help fund that stadium. But under the deal they have, it is actually Milwaukee that will be responsible for paying for improvements, anything that's wrong with the ballpark. They've got to put more money into that, which means that just as they're coming to the point where the Brewers would start paying back the taxes that they were essentially given to build that. Now they're saying, hey, now we need another $300 million, $400 million to make these improvements to make the ballpark sustainable. So it's going to be more money. And then I uh, guess what? Say that that's going to be another 20 years, that that money is going to get you for those improvements. Then it's going to happen again and again. Uh, so essentially, it's going to be the public always funding this stadium. And and the timeline's
0: just going to shorten, right? I, I think a big thing that we have seen in our lifetime and and we now know is that, technology moves at an exponential rate, right? And it just like new technology helps develop new technology. And so the growth is just through the roof. When the Niners got Levi Stadium, that was one of like the big things, right? Like how tech involved this stadium is and all these different aspects of things like that. Well, now with tech moving at that rate and tech being integrated into stadiums, Yeah, your stadium is gonna be obsolete in five years, in ten years. A twenty year old stadium, it blows my mind to hear like that somebody would go, We need a new stadium. Like I I I gotta tell you, like all the ballpark talk kind of just yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I kind of spiraling down. You spiraling down. I just get bored of it quick. You know, like I, I, I'm there to watch a sport. You know, and the bottom line, you look at those old ballparks. It's about your field, and you just have seats to watch it. Going back to. The uh world baseball classic, watching those fans in Japan that are like as dialed in as and and like almost like they're at a, a golf tournament, just silent watching after every pitch, a little round of applause. You know, they're so focused on what's actually happening in the game. So I'm gonna switch this around a little bit. Let's go back to the Oakland Mayor. Uh, talking about something, and you know more about this than I do, but it was something about the name the A's have to stay and wanting to get a new franchise. Talk about that a little bit. And then what do you think you would do as a baseball fan? Do you think you would be committed to a new franchise if a new franchise was to come? Or do you think you'd still be a little bit upset at Major League Baseball?
1: The story you're talking about, Oakland Mayor Shang Tao, according to uh, Scott Osler of the San Francisco Chronicle, Mayor Sheng Tao has informed Major League Baseball that the city is willing to talk to the A's about extending the lease at the Coliseum, which runs up after the 2024 season. After that, the A's are homeless. They don't have a place to play. And that's another logistical issue that Major League Baseball and the A's are going to have to figure out one way or another because a new stadium in Las Vegas at the most optimistic timeline is going to be open in 2028 probably not until 2029 or 2030 if it actually gets done. So you're looking at five plus years of trying to find where the A's are going to play after the 2024 season. The easiest solution is to extend the A's lease at the Coliseum, which the city is not willing to do because why would they do any favors for the A's? Why would they give up that leverage if they still have hopes of keeping the team? And she said, we're willing to have that discussion, but if we're going to extend the A's and allow them to play at the Coliseum until they get their new ballpark, they will not be able to take the name Athletics. They will have to leave that behind and leave that here. And we want the promise that we will have first dibs at the new expansion teams that you're talking about. It lines up two things. If the A's were to get that deal, and there's no indication yet from Major League Baseball that they would, that the A's would stay and become a new franchise. Essentially, what happened with the Royals, right? When the A's left Kansas City, there was an agreement from Major League Baseball that Kansas City would get an expansion franchise. And they did not keep the Athletics name. They got a new team, became the Royals. With Oakland saying is, okay, we want the deal that we're going to get the expansion team and we'll be able to also call them the Athletics. Whatever happens in Vegas, take that make it a new team rebrand it do whatever you want we're going to still be the athletics
0: which just comes down and i i know some of this it just kind of is like semantics right but then we're talking about like why not just have an expansion organization in las vegas why take the a's and that goes to like oh you're buying the history the history of the franchise um the the world championships that go all the way back to philadelphia right but just like you're saying, like Kansas City, like they got a new team. They're not the Athletics, they are the Royals. If the Athletics stay here and the A's, as we know it, moves to Las Vegas, so we have a new team that's the Athletics, well, you're not really technically that same organization with that continued flow, right? The other side is like, Who is still connected to the Philadelphia Athletics? Connie Mack is long gone, you know, and like no one that's even from the Kansas City Royals is still around and connected. So in
1: what ways, what is this the same franchise? In some ways, once you move, you're gone. The Cleveland Browns are the comparison for this, right? The Cleveland Browns, when they were in Cleveland, they left, became the Baltimore, you know, now Ravens, but they got their they are essentially an expansion franchise. Even though the Cleveland Browns have been around since the beginning of the NFL, they are technically an expansion franchise. What they also got back is they got their history back. They have the, they control the rights to the Cleveland Browns history. And that's part of what the A's are looking, well, Oakland Mayor is looking to keep and protect is that if there is an expansion franchise, what happened here in Oakland with the Athletics, that history that's existed would be protected as far as what that franchise would be able to use for marketing and putting all that out there that they would control that and not have to license it from another organization in the A's alright that's where I'm getting it is the licensing and this and that you know in
0: some ways it just comes to my mind like it's the same as like the the records in baseball you know and, and it was a comedian that I saw that kind of pointed it out and I was like are they really records when they were done before black people were even allowed to play like um, it's hard to kind of hold those up on a holy grail and so it's kind of the same thing to you know it's like that organization is gone and you're like no but we have all these records that date back to philadelphia and you're like what is the connection you know so in well, but some you ways about it, it, it's, it's, you, you,
1: you hear it all the time like even with what zach galoff has done recently right we talk about this no player has done that in athletics franchise history what if that was not the case anymore if you just had a clean slate And you were talking about what Zach Geloff has done. It wouldn't be in athletics franchise history because that would be Vegas's franchise history now. What I'm saying is uh, it's
0: a little separate, but Landon Donovan has a soccer team in San Diego and the news has come out that the team's going to fold and this is going to be their last season. And they made it four years. And I got a group of buddies. We started a soccer team, essentially a beer league team. And that's kind of all it was. But it kind of seemed like one of my buddies, a guy from England, really took it as like a point of pride that we were starting a team and really that's kind of how those big teams like juventus and things like that they started as like a group of buddies and you essentially played in a local thing, and then who knows what it is. So I think a little bit in his mind, there was this belief that, yeah, we're starting as like a beer league, but who knows, 25, 50 years, this could be like a a professional team. So there is, you know, a a connection when you're you're starting a team. And so a little bit, I I am a little salty with how things have gone. I feel I would welcome uh, an expansion franchise, a fresh start, And I would want to be there from the beginning, you know, so uh, I a little bit the other side of my brain is like, stop giving your money to Major League Baseball. They don't care about you. They don't care about your family. They're just getting your money. And, uh, you know, so part of me feels like I I would just, you know, pull Martinez Sturgeon. So, uh, gosh, we've gotten them almost in every podcast here. We uh We got to
1: go see a Sturgeon game here next season. Yeah, I think another interesting aspect of this is that media markets are no longer viewed as valuable as they once were. And that is, you have this territorial media market where you would have television rights too, right? Here in the Bay Area, you would be able to get the A's or the Giants within a certain range. After that certain range, you would run into the Angels or the Dodgers broadcast. But the Dodgers and Angels local broadcast couldn't be up here unless you bought a separate package to be able to watch a, an out-of-market game. And I think with what baseball is seeing, because the regional sports networks that we're used to seeing, that's you know the NBC Sports Bay areas of other places, that's a dying trend. Cable is no longer the model that a lot of people are using. Mm-hmm. And baseball, I think ahead of this, He's thinking in terms of, well, those markets are no longer a real deal. We're going to get into bed with technology partners like Apple, like Amazon, like Google, Hulu, Netflix, whatever. And they've already taken control. They've already taken control of the Padres broadcast. They've taken control of the Diamondbacks broadcast. They charge you $20 a month to watch all those local games like you get on NBC Sports Bay Area. And seeing that more as a model towards what they're eventually going to be building with some other partner, whether it's Peacock or Apple, the way that Apple is built with MLS, I think that that's a model that they're looking towards where they also don't want to have this overlap in media markets that are no longer as valuable. And so, say, leaving a team like, say, the White Sox left Chicago and the A's left the bay area media market for las vegas and say chicago left and went to another media market well without that overlap that is just a local interest for two other markets because you've already got chicago you've already got the bay area between the cubs and the giants and and maybe with my uh
0: deep distrust of major league baseball this and everything you're saying just kind of plays into my conspiracy theory of Major League Baseball trying to expand internationally and tap into South and Central American markets, um,
1: but again, that's into... all gonna be logistics because that's travel, and you've got to but, figure that out know, how I, you're gonna make that work I just sustainably, watched, you know. Yesterday it was Navy versus Notre Dame in Ireland, you
0: know. So they will figure that yeah, stuff but out. I'm but that's one game. They do okay. like they've already done this where they're sending teams to play. In what? London, that but that just becomes different divisions, right? You you have a yeah. South American division, and like you said, like it's all gonna be on Apple or it's gonna be on Amazon. And for sure. these owners now, ML i wouldn't be surprised if they're like ride the wave we're building up when the wave crests we're gonna be getting all of it anybody want to move yeah i think you're
1: i i I hear where you're getting with this but i think you're way ahead of yourself on where like the next move is gonna be because like would you rather tell the horrible truth or do you want to see zach geloff hit some dingers (laughs) zach geloff hit some dingers but that that's that would be a far out expansion because it'll happen locally here where they will figure that out as far as local relocation first get that settled at least with regional balance and then make that media shift and then grow it you know that's what rod Manfred has shown is that he wants to get his ducks in a row before making these moves so the one of the ducks that he's focused on right now is the a's and speaking of the logistics of that after 2024 when the a's don't potentially have a home if they don't get an extension with their lease at the Coliseum. They don't have a place to go play. Vegas is not done yet. We've seen minor league ballparks, whether that was in Vegas or Reno or Sacramento be floated out there. The other one that's been floated a couple of times has been the A's sharing the ballpark in San Francisco with the Giants, something the Giants would have to agree on. But You know, Major League Baseball could lean on them a little bit, essentially saying, hey, this is the price of having this market all to yourself is sharing this ballpark for a couple of years. Because for Major League Baseball, I don't think they want the optics of one of their franchises playing five plus years in a minor league ballpark. Not only that, they'd have to have the other teams coming to play in that minor league ballpark.
0: I I agree with you. And I'm going to go back a little bit because I do think these things like are all tied in, right? Like I agree. Major league baseball doesn't want their pro team playing in a minor league ballpark. They don't want the Yankees coming over to play in a minor league
1: ballpark. They don't want the, uh, the Dodgers coming over to visit and do that. The A's need a home after 2024. Their lease runs up at the Coliseum after next season. Major League Baseball is not going to send them to go play a season in London and figure out the logistics for having all these teams have to then travel to London and then travel back to America to continue their season. That's not going to happen with the A's going to play in Japan or Korea or, you know, Mexico is a possibility. If that was going to happen, it would be playing a season like Mexico City would be a realistic possibility because it's close enough logistically to make that travel happen. But outside of that, The A's do have to find a home, and that would be a creative solution to that if they are not going to be extended at the Coliseum. They have to find a place to play. So what is it for Major League Baseball to have the optics of where these teams are going to be able to want to go and travel to and be okay with the A's playing an extended period of time in another city that, again, will not be their permanent home, whether it's in Sacramento, Reno, or even Figuring out the logistics of an outdoor ballpark in Las Vegas, or sharing with the San Francisco Giants, or maybe what he just
0: said—go play in Mexico City for a year, and then uh, we'll we'll test that market.
1: But you still have to find a place that's going to let you play eighty-one games. Mexico is
0: not going to just give that up. So
1: (laughs) there isn't like a ballpark that exists right now that they can just easily, you know, ease their way into for a five-year span. Even the minor league ballparks. They would have to make adjustments to because they would be much smaller than what the A's have traditionally played in, and they have to share those proceeds with the other teams. They also have to make sure the facilities are up to major league standards for those other teams to come and play in. There's a lot logistically for the A's to figure out, and here is that perfect storm scenario. If the organization that wants to put the A's public funding in Las Vegas on the ballot succeeds in doing so, potentially you could have that measure voted on next year, say November, right? Say that gets voted on and it gets voted down in Vegas. So now the A's don't have that public money available in Las Vegas. Further pushing their timeline out, now they don't have a lease in Oakland. Now they don't have the public money in Vegas. Now they're just sitting there homeless as a franchise, wondering where they're going to play and wondering what they're going to do for not just five years, but going forward. We've been talking for about
0: thirty minutes about uh stadiums and franchises. Well, that's what's going on with the A's. That's what's happening this week. All of but this came to a head. There's been some baseball. They played the White Sox. I have seen a guy who's trying to organize a big protest this Saturday on the second. He's trying to he said he was gonna bring a keg, then he realized no kegs are allowed, so he's trying to organize that. Uh, just a big parking lot thing uh everyone coming and nobody buying tickets that is the other side about the reverse boycott it is great to do that but then you're still saying selling and and giving money to them it would be great to get that kind of uh, attendance and awareness i go everyone show up but nobody go in you know Or, or now that we've gotten that attention do a real boycott where literally there's no fans except maybe a couple of away fans, right? Like, we're now we're getting more and more national attention. Now it's time to start utilizing it.
1: To your point that there is baseball in the field, some good things that are happening. Mason Miller made his first rehab assignment. He was thrown over 100 miles an hour again. He's been the A's top pitching prospect this season. We got a small glimpse of him. And we've heard David Forrest talk about one of the difficulties with these rebuilds is lining up when those young position players and the young pitchers are together on that same kind of timeline. And right now we're seeing a lot of the new Oakland lineups those young guys whether it's Lawrence Butler Zach Geloff little glimpse of Tyler Soderstrom and you know seeing guys like Jordan Diaz and Nick Allen with Ryan Noda and Estuary Ruiz But now you're waiting to see where the pitching comes in, when Mason Miller's ready, when Luis Medina's ready, when Ken Waldachuk is ready, and how those two timelines can line up for the A's to be really good. And the comp that everyone likes to look at is the big three that the A's had in the early 2000s lining up with Jason Giambi and Miguel Tejada and Eric Chavez. That's how hard it is, is that we're 20 years removed from that. And you think about the times that the A's have been able to line that up. You only get those small windows when those two timelines of the hitters and the pitchers line up together.
0: And they've been able to do it again, you know, with Jared Parker and those 2012-13 uh, teams and 14. So they, they've been able to do that. And, and it
1: is understandable that Jared Parker is a good call, though, how fragile it is, because he was really, really oh, good absolutely. when he was healthy for a but year. But to
0: your point, you know, having these people come up where maybe in free agency, you would be able to go and add some of those pieces if they're just not. Not gelling right at that exact moment, where maybe we need three months a triple A ball going, and then you can come up and, and you're going to dominate. If we already know people don't want to come play in Oakland at the Coliseum, when are they going to want to come when you're not even playing at a major league ballpark? So I, you know, I think that goes to your point there. It's going to be crazy what happens. We we still don't know what's going to happen. I think we're all still holding out until the shovels are in the ground where the A's are like, well, we've hired the guys that are going to put the shovels in the ground. And a lot of us are still, well, those shovels aren't in the ground yet. So we're still holding on. So um, I don't know. It, it It is just so frustrating to keep talking about this data. And we're right. This is what the news is. This is not why I watch baseball to talk about the – the build thing where the baseball is played, right? It's just so frustrating. So just another sign of how this season has been when, when we finally have gotten to see a little bit of a shining light of these young players, this new Oakland coming up and getting you excited and now going, well, this new Oakland, well, where new what, where are they going to be? And does it even matter? Cause
1: maybe they go and then there's going to be a new, new Oakland. So who knows? it going to be the new Reno, the new Sacramento. And like, What do you say? The new San Francisco while the Oakland A's are playing in the Giants ballpark? I mean, that's what you're potentially looking at for that new Oakland team after 2024. This has been the Winner Hughes podcast. New episodes debut every Monday. You can find us on social media at Win or Hughes. You can also find me on social media at Vegas Joe Hughes, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks for listening to the Winner Hughes podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe.